2: Plushcare.com/slash/weight-loss. In business, you rarely hear the expression "for life." You make a purchase for a product, for a service, and and there's a there's a time frame there. Well, that's not the case with Awaken One Hundred and Eighty Weight Loss.
3: Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. So many stories I've passed along to you. So many stories of so many kinds. But again and again, I come back to what we began with. The Gothic tale. What is Gothic? There are a hundred definitions. One of the ones I like best is A style noted by a gloomy setting, grotesque or violent events, and an atmosphere of degeneration and decay. Does this narrative fit the bill? I leave you to judge that for yourselves.
4: Why are there no mirrors anywhere, Mrs. Kemper? If you want a mirror, I'm sure it can be arranged, Miss Falkirk, so long as you keep it in your room. I didn't plan to carry it about. I wouldn't. It's the one thing Mr. Royston won't stand for. Why? I don't ask. And if you're wise, neither will you.
3: Our mystery drama, Reflected Terror, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Ian Martin and stars... Marion Seldes. It is sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and Contact. the 12-hour cold capsule. I'll be back shortly with Act
0: One. Emmanuel O. presents Harold Robbins the Betsy. Starring Lawrence Olivier, Robert Duval, Catherine Ross, Tommy Lee Jones, Jane Alexander, Leslie Ann Downs. Joseph Wiseman, Edward Herman, Paul Rudd, and Kathleen Beller, Harold Robbins, The Betsy from Allied Artists, rated R, under 17, not admitted without parent, The Betsy, now playing at motion picture theaters everywhere.
4: You know, Sometimes Fred really gets to me, he watches football till his eyes fall out, he last went bowling with me in 1883, but I'll say one thing for him, he comes through when it counts. Like, well, Valentine's Day is coming up, February 14th, remember? He will. Fred always remembers to bring me a beautiful Whitman sampler. Oh, one of those big Valentine hearts filled with Whitman's chocolate. He usually eats most of them himself, but he's my Valentine, and I'm his.
3: I'm E.G. Marshall, host of the Mystery Theater. One of my favorite authors, Ernest Hemingway, defined guts as grace under pressure. However, if you have high blood pressure, even Hemingway would have agreed that there's absolutely no way in this world or the next that you can simply tough it out. You see, controlling your blood pressure is not just a question of staying calm or getting your emotions under control. High blood pressure is a physical problem. The pressure of your blood inside your arteries is too high. You need to treat it every day, often with medication, to get it down and keep it down. So if you have high blood pressure, please remember to treat it every day. Whether you're performing under great pressure or basking in the Bahamas, reading Hemingway or listening with trepidation to the Mystery Theater. A message from the National High Blood Pressure Education Program. along the Hudson River, perched on the edge of tumbling escarpments to the river below, are great mansions built at the turn of the 19th century, a magnificence and splendor only possible today for the shahs of the oil countries. Royston Manor House was such a showplace, but by now, in 1896, it has long been in disrepair its master, Joseph Conning Royston, a sad recluse, victim of a consuming depression since the death of his beloved wife, in mourning for her untimely death, he occupies this desolate mansion maintained by a skeleton staff. And to it, as our story begins, comes young Emily Falkirk. You're sure you're expected at Royston House, miss? Of course. Why do you ask? Oh. Just there ain't many visitors these days. Hey, up Betty! Not like the old days. The old days? Mm, before the madam died. Used to be coachman there myself. My, it was something balls, Garden parties all them fancy folk from New York swarming up here all the time.
4: <laughs> but no one comes anymore. more.
3: Well, that big old mansion might as well be a tomb, ma'am. Nobody there but Mr. Royston, his poor old mother, Arnors, the foreigners, the clempers, the dogs, and maybe the madam, ghost. Ghost? Mm, maybe that's what drove Master James away.
4: Master James?
3: Oh, that'd be Mr. Royston's son. Fine young fella, Master James. Been gone near five years by now. Gone? Left after his father came back.
4: Never it off
3: too well, M2, didn't he? <laughs> I must be boring you with all this small talk.
4: No, you're not. Uh, you see, I'm, I'm going there to take up a, a
3: position. Oh. Well, that'd be to replace little old Mrs. Benson, the uh, nurse for Mrs. Royston's mother.
4: I believe that's who it would be. I think that's the name Mr. Royston mentioned in his letter. He uh, did mention her name, did he? Oh, yes. Why? Why have you asked?
3: Oh, well, no reason at all. No, no reason. Uh, This is the
4: beginning of the estate, the uh, part that lies outside the walls. It's getting so dark. I can't see. Is that the house way up on the hill? Let it be the gatehouse,
3: ma'am. Nobody lives up there anymore except those damn dogs. What dogs? Oh, guard dogs. They are fierce as wild animals. <laughs> What's to guard? I don't know.
4: Otto's the only one who can get near them. That would be Otto Klemper. Him. And what is he? A, a gardener?
3: Once was. Still is. I reckon, though, not much is kept up. The damn dog smell is coming. They sound
4: so fierce. They are. <laughs> not the best of company. Maybe that's why Mrs. Benson left. Uh,
3: she didn't leave, miss. She, uh, she died. Oh. How? She tumbled off the cliff up there down to the river. And oh, was drowned. And she wasn't that lucky.
4: Not so rock down there... If it was. What do you mean? I saw
3: her face when we brought her to the corners, and she looked like she was running from something. A a devil, maybe. Those hounds out of hell.
4: I was in the habit of writing everything down that happened in my uneventful life in a diary so through it we can follow the fearful and melancholy record of the history of Royston House. It began, as you have heard, and continued with my actual arrival in that great, gray, fieldstone monstrosity, with its terraces and balconies hanging in space over the terrifying drop to the bosom of the Hudson and the jagged rocks that line its shore far below.
3: Well miss. Uh, let me help you down. Oh, thank you.
4: I can manage.
3: Well, right you are. I'll get your baggage off and into the house. Oh, hello, Mrs.
4: Clamper. Arthur, you can put Miss Falkirk's bags in the servant's hall. I think you know the way. Well, as long as the dogs ain't around. I'll mm. has put them away. Miss Falkirk? Yes. I'm Mrs. Clamper, um, Mr. Royston's housekeeper. How do you do? And uh, Mr. Royston has asked me to explain Excuse him for not meeting you directly or sending someone, but he has given me orders that he would like to meet you as soon as you arrived. Shall we go in the house? Oh, I should like to go to my room for a moment and freshen up. Are my bags... There is no need to print. You look perfectly serviceable, and your bags will be taken care of. But I'm a mess after the train ride and the carriage... Please, step in. Well, yes, but just let me straighten my hat or fix my hair a little. We don't... Stand on much ceremony at Royston House, Miss Falkirk. Please, Mrs. Klemmer, just let me glance in a hall mirror. Where there isn't one. You'll find few mirrors here. Why? Mr. Royston doesn't like them. That would be good reason enough for you, Miss Falkirk. Who is it? Mrs. Tlemper, sir. Miss Falkirk has arrived. Oh, come in by all means. Miss Falkirk?
3: Yes? I hope you forgive me not meeting you at the train. Some affairs delayed me. Oh,
4: I found my way all right.
3: So I see. You may leave us now, Mrs. Comper.
4: Don't you want me to take her to meet your mother and get uh, settled in? Oh, uh, that
3: can wait for a moment. I'll take her to meet my mother myself.
4: Very well, sir. You know this.
3: Uh, <clears throat> sit, sit down, Miss Falker, please. Thank you. May I offer you a glass of sherry? No, thank you. I don't drink. It's very wise of you. I told you in my letters I was not looking for any fly-by-night flippity-chippet of a girl afraid of being isolated.
4: I don't think I'm a flippity-chippet. As for being afraid of being isolated, I agreed to come here for a year's trial. If it gets too lonely, I won't complain. I'll stick by my bargain. Splendid.
3: I applaud you, my dear. It is not going
4: to be easy didn't give me the impression that your mother was so difficult.
3: Mother? Why should I? I'm sure you'll find her quite tractable. And considering her age, not a hard invalid to manage at all. As a matter of fact, why don't we go and meet her right now? Oh, I'd like that. All right, then, come along. She's just over in the next wing. Now, why is that? Why did she leave the gaslight on in the hall... I have a lamp. Come, turn it off for me. Yes, sir, but why will we need it to see? I told you I have a kerosene lamp. Now do as I say. Yes, sir. That's better. Can't abide light ever since. And I can't abide it. Here yeah, we we'll go down this corridor.
4: Do you have bad eyes, sir? What? You said you couldn't abide light. Oh, did I? Well, I'm sure I...
3: I have my reasons, which I don't intend to give you. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to pry. Well, don't. Ever. In this house. Ignorance is bliss. This is Mother's door here.
4: Me. Yes. Yes, I'm almost ready. Can't touch
3: a wait a minute. But it is Joseph, Mother. Can you spare us a moment?
4: what I was expecting. Certainly not what I saw. From the sound of her voice, Mrs. Royston had seemed a cultivated, civilized woman. But that was not what opened the door. She looked like, I don't know, the white queen in Alice of the Looking Glass, perhaps. Her wasted face, which must have been quite handsome, was pale as paper, and her hair was a mad bird's nest of wisps and snaggles. She looked like a corpse, save for her eyes, a bright and startling and blue, which shone even in the shadowed light like chips of aquamarine, eyes that were empty behind the sparkle, the eyes of a mad woman. Polly, he let you out, did he? He let you out? Mother,
3: this isn't Polly. It's Miss Emily Falkirk who's come to take care of you.
4: I might have known it was a trick. I don't know who Polly is. She was my wife. Ross, 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 where is she?
3: You know, Mother, Polly has been dead for a long time.
4: And Mrs. Benson, a short time. Where is she? Is she
3: dead? Mrs. Benson had to leave us, Mother. That's why we engaged Miss Falkirk.
4: To guard me?
3: To help you
4: help me, Joseph. You know that. I am a voice crying in the wilderness.
3: Mother, please.
4: Who will listen? No one
3: will listen. Come away, Miss Falkirk. There's nothing any of us can do when she's like this. But I'd like to help her. You can't help her. You can take over that duty just as soon as you are settled yourself.
4: He led me out of the room and down another long corridor. The only light was that oil lamp he carried. Suddenly, we were in a sort of a gallery peopled with heavily framed oil paintings. Before one of them, he stopped, lifting the lamp for the moment he seemed to have forgotten that I was with him. I can bear to look at you in a painting, but not in the flesh.
3: Not in the fresh. Uh, that was my wife. My beloved wife, Miss Fulkirk. You see how much you resemble her.
4: I? Oh, oh well, no, not really. She's beautiful.
3: And so are you. I thought when all the mirrors were gone, the reflection was banished forever. Now you've come to bring it alive again. <laughs> what's disturbing the dogs? I don't know. Mrs. Kempow, what's
5: happening? With the dogs? I don't know. Otto has everything under control. So don't worry. Very well.
3: You may show Miss Falkirk to her room then. You mean I can stay? We'll see how it works
4: out. Is, is something wrong? He thinks I... Look like his wife. Uh, I mean the one who was his wife. Do you? Much too much. It's a pity you came. Better you leave the first moment you can. But I need the job. How can I? You will have to decide that for yourself. It may not take long.
3: Well, there are all the elements. The old and decaying house. Marked by a feeling of degeneration? A gloomy enough setting, wouldn't you say? And as for grotesque and violent events, well, our story has scarcely begun. Wouldn't you imagine that they are lurking offstage in the wings, ready to burst forth? But the proof of that must
0: wait until I return shortly with Act Two. 1978 Buicks. Cars designed to make a whole lot of sense. A
4: little science.
0: But along with the innovation and logic, there's all the comfort and luxury people have always loved about Buicks. From the Skyhawk and the amazing new century in Regal, a little science. right up through the trim, live, full-size Buick. A little magic. It's the kind of science that gives you the wizardry of smooth, even-firing V6 engines. Cars that are trim, but roomy. And the kind of magic that makes driving them fun. The 1978 Buicks. See them soon at your Buick dealer. They surely
4: will have found you The amazing things you see The cars they feel so wonderful
0: How can such things u automobiles are equipped with GM-built engines produced by various divisions. See your dealer for details. If you're a parent, no one ever walked up to you and said, Congratulations, you now own a baby. But someone did once walk up to you and say, Congratulations, you're a father. Or, congratulations, you're a mother. And that's all there was to it. Suddenly, you were a parent. Probably with no training and possibly even with no thought as to whether or not you wanted to be a parent. Well, it's not too late to think about it now. Do you love your children? Do you take time to show them the courtesy and respect that you show any other human being? It shouldn't hurt to be a child. Think about the relationship between yourself and that unique person you call your child. And the next time your child asks you a question... Put down the newspaper and answer that question as if your best friend were asking it. Because right now, you could be the best friend your child has. A public service message of this station, the Advertising Council, and the National Committee for Prevention of Child Abuse.
3: The days passed at Royston House and Emily Falkirk settled into a routine. Her room was pleasant and cheerful enough, although it looked away from the river. Her days were spent with the now silent Mrs. Royston, bathing her, dressing her, reading to her, taking her to sun on the balcony over the Hudson. She shared her meals with her, served by an incommunicative Mrs. Clumper. Mr. Royston kept to himself, and Mr. Klemper seemed forever to be out of doors, roaming the property with his snarling dog. Christian! He's I Well, what are you doing out here, line when the dogs are loose?
4: Oh, I just couldn't stand being cooped up any longer. I wanted the breath of air.
3: Oh, well. We're all cooped up here, no? Perhaps we can be better acquainted.
4: Oh, I'd like to be with someone. It's very lonely here. Well, then come.
3: I will walk you to the gazebo. There's a splendid view of the river. It's hidden away from the house. A moment. Tristan, It's See most in here. Drive They will stay. We can be quite alone. Come.
4: Why do you have them? Terrible dogs.
3: They're not terrible. They're very gentle. If they know you.
4: Oh, I can't believe that.
3: But well, I'll show you. Tristan. Isol. Come see here. Uh,
4: Give
3: me your hand. Oh, I'm not sure I uh, They must have your scent. But don't be afraid. So I'm fine. It's No, you're obliged. Will you go? Right. <laughs> you know?
4: Yes. Oh. They still make me very nervous. No, no need.
3: They will never touch you again, unless I say so, or anyone else with you. I would not have them harm you in any case.
4: Thank you. I appreciate that.
3: You will have a chance to show that in a moment. What do you mean? Once we are alone. Mr.
4: Klemper. Oh, no. You don't think that I... Uh, Let me go. Your wife...
3: What she does not know will not hurt her. You can't do that to her, not to your wife. That cold iceberg... (laughs) When I saw you arrive, I knew you were what I
4: needed.
3: Oh, what yes. the There must be a stranger on the property. Oh, they would have stayed when I ordered. What is everyone so afraid of here at
4: Bryson? If
3: you mind your own business, you will never have to know. And you and I will complete ours. at a more feeble time. Ah, I seem to have flushed the game. I'll go and find out.
4: I hurried back to the house. I wondered who the intruder on the grounds might be. But I didn't meet anyone in the house. And after checking my patient to see that she was still napping, on my way back to my own room, I stopped again before the portrait of Mrs. Royston. You do look like her. <gasps> oh, Mrs. Klemper, I didn't know you were there. More than one doesn't know how careful I come and go. Oh, you startled me. You say I look like her. Well, is that a good likeness? Fair. It favours her quite a bit. She looks so young. She was a good deal older when she died. How did she die? She was in Africa with the master on a trip around the world and she caught dengue fever, I think they call it. Oh, how awful. When was this? Five years ago. He was terribly in love with her, wasn't he? Oh, His whole life was wrapped up in her, more as a pity. He was blind to anything else. But we haven't time for chatter. Why aren't you with your patient? Mrs. Royston is having her nap. You should be with her. Why? What are you afraid that she might do? I didn't say I was afraid she would do anything. But you are, somehow. Everyone is afraid in this house. Everyone is a sort of prisoner, aren't they? Why? I don't know what you're talking about. I think you do. The dogs, the walls, the secrecy. And why are there no mirrors anywhere? I want one. I want one in my room so I can arrange my hair and make my toilette. If you want a mirror, I'm sure it can be arranged. So long as you keep it in your room. (laughs) I didn't plan to carry it about with her. I wouldn't. It's the one thing Mr. Royston won't stand for. Why? That's his business and his right. I don't inquire. And if you are wise, neither will you. Yes? Ah, come in, Miss Falkirk. Close the door. You sent for me, Mr. Royston. Yes. Are you going to discharge me? What? I said, do you want me to leave?
3: Whatever gave you that idea?
4: The day I came, you said. Oh, I mean, I just thought
3: that's why you sent for me. Oh, forgive me. I was somewhat abstracted. I uh, made a trip to town yesterday, a rare excursion. I bought something for reasons of my own. I no longer want it. It's wrapped in that package on the table. You may have it if you want. What is it,
4: Mr. Royston? Something Mrs.
3: Kemper tells me you asked for. A mirror. You may have it on one condition. What is that? You must keep it in your own room. Just never to leave it. If you wish. Mm. You may leave now. Oh, uh, one other thing. Yes? Two or three times the dogs have been disturbed lately. Prowlers of some kind. It wouldn't be
4: anyone looking for you. Me? I told you in my letters I'm alone. I have nobody else in the world. No family, no friends? My family is dead. My friends are half a continent away. No young man in your life? That is why I am half a continent away from my friends and him. He married someone else.
3: (laughs) We all have our crosses to bear. Very well, Miss Falkirk. That'll be all.
4: I left this brooding, haunted man in a turmoil, touching the heavily wrapped package he'd given me, which turned out to be an inexpensive, quite ugly, but serviceable hand mirror. It was a godsend to be able to see myself again and fix my tangled hair. Suddenly I felt stifled. Where are you going? Oh, just to get a breath of air, Mrs. Klemper. The dogs are loose. And my husband is not back from town yet. The dogs are used to me now. I wouldn't count on it. I'll stay on the porch. Mrs. Klemper? What? Why must we have them? The dogs, I mean. What is it that Mr. Royce is so afraid of? Who said he was afraid of anything? But he must be afraid of something or someone. Why does he hide behind a wall and close gates and have those vicious dogs? The dogs are not vicious, except the stranger's are my husband's children. And you ask too many questions. Go out if you must, but don't be late to dinner. I walked out to the porch. But it was a heavy night with little air stirring. And suddenly the oppressive heaviness of the house was smothering me, making it hard to breathe. I fled out into the quiet, dark night. I had a wild desire to scream. But my throat was so choked it was all I could do to breathe. I could feel a reasonless panic welling up inside me, and then all of a sudden it was reasonless no more. The dog started to bark frantically, and I could hear someone running. But before I could get out of his way, I uh, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, the uh, dog. What are you doing
3: here? Who are you? Uh, not much time for socializing. I'm, I'm James Royston. Uh, who are you?
4: So Emily Fulker. Are you Mr. Royston's son?
3: Yeah, on and off. When he wants to recognize me. Mm-hmm. What am I going to do about those damn dogs? They don't know you? Uh, we've never met. formally. uh... Oh, you'd better get behind me. Oh, uh, can you control them? We'll
4: so soon find out. There's <laughs> Tom. He's older. Oh!
3: I oh, never figured you for an animal trainer. I'm not.
4: What do I do now? Well, get them to buzz off. I don't know how to do that. They, uh, can't you tell them? But they only understand German. Oh, look, if, if you let them smell your hand, maybe I could tell
3: them that you're a friend. <laughs> not on a bet. I I get the notion they don't like me any better than I like them.
4: I I, I could tell them to stay.
3: Yeah, while well, we took off. Solid idea. Why don't you? It's
4: in German. Oh. I don't remember the word. Uh,
3: uh, well, I can help. Uh, see, Blibin is the infinitive uh, for a command see, the... Uh, how about bleib? That's what he said.
4: Nocturn! Blybdeer! Stamze! Blybdeer!
3: Oh, lady, you are a lifesaver.
4: Well, if you want to save yours, you better get out. After finally getting in again,
3: not on a bet.
4: There must be some easier way of getting to see your
3: father. Who wants to see him? Last person I want to see.
4: Then who do you want to see? My mother. But she's dead.
3: And buried? Buried, yes, perhaps. But not dead. Not decently dead. Now, there's a statement to conjure with. Buried, but not decently dead. Who is this strange intruder that Emily has saved from the savage guard dogs? Is his name really James Royston? And is he actually her employer's son?
1: I shall return shortly with Act Three. How many tools you own is not as important as how many jobs those tools can do. Hi, Pat Summer also suggest two versatile power tools from True Value Hardware stores. The Dremel Motor Tool Kit is ideal for the home hobbyist, the artist, the craftsman, for use in building and repairing model ships, cars, planes, miniature furniture, and more. The kit includes accessories to sand, polish, grind, and carve, plus a handy wrench, all in one compact kit for just twenty-two seventy-seven from True Value Hardware Stores. Another versatile power tool is the Skill Cordless 3 Inch Two-Speed Reversible Drill for just twenty-nine ninety-seven. Use it to drive screws remove them, or drill holes. And because it's cordless and comes with its own 115-volt recharging unit, you can use the Skill 2-speed reversing drill anywhere. You can find the Dremel motor toolkit and the Skill 3-8-inch cordless reversible drill at participating True Value Hardware stores and home centers. More than just the name, it's their way of doing business.
5: Can you ask your mother anything? If so, ask her if she took any prescription drug in her pregnancy with you. You may be a death daughter, one of three million. Diethylstilbestrol, or DES, was widely prescribed from 1941 to 1971 for pregnant women. Ninety percent of daughters born of these pregnancies have an abnormal condition called vaginal adenosis, which must be carefully monitored by a DES gynecologist. Also, one in a thousand may develop a rare vaginal cancer, which must be discovered in time. To find out if you are one of the great majority who are unaware, of being a dead daughter. Ask your mother if she took anything during pregnancy. Ask her obstetrician. You have a legal right to hospital records and prescription files. Or better still, ask your gynecologist for the simple iodine stain. For more information, write this action, P.O. Box 1977, Plainview, New York.
3: gathering dusk, Emily Falkirk has the strange feeling that time has been brought to a standstill while she searches the face of this handsome, red-haired young man who has dropped so unexpectedly into her life. And in spite of all sensible alarm signals ringing in her head, her heart tells her paradoxically to trust him, no matter how odd his statements but time can be held still, only so long.
4: What do you mean, not decently dead?
3: I've searched half the world, and I've yet to find my mother's grave.
4: Mr. Royston, if that's who you are, I don't think I'm the one you need to talk to. This is something between your father and yourself.
3: Wrong. He's doing everything he can to keep me out. Why? Because of what I might find out. You want to hear about it? I,
4: no, I, even if I did, the dog. we simply can't expect them to stay quiet like this indefinitely. Well, we're right here on top of them.
3: Yeah, uh, there's a gazebo right down at the end of this path of pine.
4: I know, that's where I was headed. Well,
3: will you come with me
4: there and let me explain? I don't know why I went with him. If I that now after the fact As if I didn't know then just as well I went with him Because ridiculous, impossible Childish as it may seem From the first moment I looked into James' wide-spaced eyes From the second he first smiled His crooked grin From the minute marked off by the time that I first felt him near me I was in love He was my man And I was his woman. And most of all, I sensed he needed love and me so desperately. Now in the gazebo, I was finding out why. What do you mean, he's not really your father?
3: Well, you have to understand about my mother. Uh, He met her in France nearly 30 years ago. He wanted to marry her, but his parents wouldn't hear of it. My grandfather threatened to cut him out of his will. But then the old man died and my father went back to France. Lived there for three years, married mother, and after I was born, brought her home. They were very much in love. She was
4: so beautiful.
3: And looked so much like you.
4: I'm glad you think so. Your father does, too. Mm. My father. He isn't, you know. Isn't your father? No.
3: You see, that was the whole trouble between us. Only, I never knew it until my 21st birthday or just before it.
4: But who was your father?
3: Somebody in France. Someone my mother had turned to when... when the man I always thought was my father walked out on her that first time.
4: But if she was married already,
3: how... She wasn't married. She had me, and the guy had abandoned her. And that's why she became Mrs. Royston and came back to, with him to America for my sake. But
4: I thought you said they were in love.
3: He was... I always thought my mother was Till Till? Well It all came to a head Because there was some kind of inheritance I was supposed to have And I told him to his face I didn't want any part of it I was ordered out of the house I must say I took advantage of that And ran back to college I never thought that would be the last time I'd see my mother again
4: I thought she died in Africa
3: So did I Right after the big quarrel, they went on this trip around the world from which she never came back. That is, if she went.
4: I don't know what you mean.
3: I wish I was sure that I did myself. After my mother died, my father refused to see me. If she had a will, I heard nothing about it. I was out of college by then, and I didn't give a damn. I shipped out to go around the world myself.
4: And you're just back from that?
3: That's about it. Been back most of the year, but my father, fo- Mr. Royston, refuses to see me. And I haven't been able to get in the house. Even some detectives I hired couldn't. That's when I decided to make a try myself. You know, there's more than one old tree around the property I knew I could climb in by. But
4: didn't you know about the dogs? Mm, you have to
3: take some chances in life.
4: But why did you want to come back here, knowing that you weren't wanted? Because...
3: I have every reason to believe that my mother didn't just die. I think she was murdered.
4: But even if that were true, how could you prove it? Listen to me, Emily. When I was in Africa, I went to Dar el
3: Salim where my mother was supposed to have died. There was no grave. No record. No one knew about her death. In every port I called on, I, I checked steamship records of the boats she was supposed to have traveled on with my father. No record. Only on the transatlantic liner that left America did I find a listing of Mr. and Mrs. Royston.
4: And you think... You don't mean that somehow he might have... That that she might have fallen overboard?
3: No, I don't think that at all.
4: Then what? I...
3: I don't think my mother ever left this house. I think she was dead before that trip even began. Oh, you can't believe that. How? I think he killed her. Oh, that's...
4: sick. That's... kill us. What could he have done with...
3: I mean, what... What did he do with her body? That's what I want to find out. I think he buried her somewhere inside the house. Oh, how can we even imagine such a thing? It isn't imagination. This is a letter I received from Buddy shortly after her death. Who? Oh, uh, excuse me, uh, Mrs. Benson.
4: Mrs. Benson? The lady who had my job before me? Yeah,
3: and she had another one before that. She was my nurse, and later housekeeper for many years till my mother died. Now, let me read you just a few lines. Uh, Let's see. uh, Here. So many dark secret things since the bright years when you were growing up, Jimbo. And now this awful justification of all my buried suspicions since my dear Polly died. You see, my mother's name was Paulette. By sheer accident, I was able to get into her old rooms. And how they've changed. Why? My dearest boy, I shudder to say this, but I am afraid, deathly afraid, that it is because she never left them. You must come home and see for yourself. I cannot, dare not say any more till then. By the time I received this letter, Bonte was dead.
4: James, James, what is it you want from me?
3: I want you to help me get into that house so I can see for myself.
4: But if that's the part of the house that's locked up... Not look.
3: I have a key. My mother gave it to me. Oh,
4: I don't know. I have no right to. And besides, the dog. Now is the perfect time while the dogs are quiet. But how do I know I can trust you? I mean, a stranger.
3: You don't. Except I don't believe you and I feel strangers to each other. Not anymore.
4: No. No. But if we are to move, it must be... Oh, it's too late. Why? That must be Mr. Clemper coming back. The dogs are welcoming him. I mean, if all I suspect
3: is true. He'll be the last person to welcome me. Well, oh, if I can't get inside, there's only one other chance. But will you take this key, Emily? To get into your mother's apartment? Yes. But what could I find?
5: What would I look for?
3: Well, there was more in the letter than I read. In my mother's bedroom, there was a great double door with mirrors leading to a small dressing room. The door was on the wall opposite the windows. That's... Let me know if it's still there. Uh, here. You can write me or, or, or send a message at this address. No, no I... Please, I... please, promise. Somehow, I, I, I know I can count on you. Then, so we're fated to, to meet again and again. Oh, it's you. What are you doing out of the house? I...
4: I just wanted to get a little breath of air before
3: dinner. It is forbidden to wander to the grounds without permission. So, this time we forget it. You are alone? Of
4: course. Who else would be here?
3: For your sake, better no one. Come. It's time for dinner.
4: It is midnight now, and the house is quiet. It is not far to the end of the hall, and the door long closed. Mrs. Royston's rooms. But it is not so much of a surprise to find the key turns easily and the door opens without effort. Inside, the dust lies everywhere except for a worn path through it to the wall opposite the windows. I hold my lantern high, but I see no mirrored wall opposite the door, only a heavy tapestry hanging from the moldings. I put my right down. I try to draw it open. Nervously, I jerk at it and something rips and the high tapestry comes tumbling to the floor, stirring up a cloud of dust which chokes me. But my cough is arrested in terror as I see staring at me from inside the wall, a misty figure all in decaying white, the skin drawn over the skeleton so tight and paper-thin. But the bones seem to shine through. A ghastly, grimace of agony on her face. A face that the lantern in her hand shows in the glimmering light as a horrible travesty
3: of mine. Now well, you see her too, Miss Falkirk. We're both doomed.
4: He's standing behind me in the room. A lamp in his hand. The reverse. Image of the horror in the wall, and I turn back to see,
0: oh God, forgive me,
4: that the wall is a mirror, and what I am looking at is, must be, has to be a reflection. The lamp, the room, all the finite things are in that dusty, shadowed reflection, the same. Only the figure that holds the lamp is different. Mr. Royston, instead of his long-dead wife. So now you know my secret. What secret? Why,
3: I cannot abide a mirror. Because it shows me no reflection of myself. Only my wife.
4: Why? How?
3: I murdered her, you see. And buried her in that wall. Because she could have ruined me financially. How? It's where all the money came from when I married her. From the man who could not give her child a name. But you don't know about that. Yes, I do. It doesn't matter. Nothing matters except the secret must be kept. We must all die to
4: do that. It's the only way. But how did you keep it? Why was everyone convinced you'd gone on a trip around the world? It wasn't too difficult at that
3: time. The clippers could be bought off. My mother I used shamelessly. She pretended to be my wife when we left on the trip. It was winter. She was disguised in heavy furs. It was easy enough for her to go as far as the boat and then slip away. I did not realize the weight of guilt I would thrust on her to make her mad enough to need you as a companion. What happened now? You are just as curious as Mrs. Benson was, only it took you a shorter amount of time. I couldn't leave her alive to tell... How can I you? you screaming. The wind carries your voice across the river. Not much further. We're almost to the edge. I won't go there. I won't let you throw me over. You go if I have to no. drag you there. No. There is no help. Come on. You've delayed enough. The door. Help me. Oh, it's it's over. Oh, help me. Help me. Get back. Get back. Get me me. back. Get it. back. Get Go get
4: him. Go. Oh, 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 I'm shot. Call him off, Clever. Call him off. Oh, Jerry. Oh, Jerry. He's
3: on. Come. Come here. Save All right, Emily. All right. You're safe. Oh, how did you get here? Well, after meeting you, you didn't think I was ever going to leave, did you? Oh. I hid out in the pool by the fountain where the dogs couldn't scent me. Then I waited till I could waylay Clemper. All I meant to do was to make him lock up the dogs, but while we were taking him up to the gatehouse, we saw you and Royston come up on the cliff. Oh. I made him set the dogs on him. But what happened to him? Did the dogs... No. No, in trying to shoot them, he shot himself. How? The dogs are trained to take a weapon away. One of them had him by the wrist, and accidentally, uh... Is he dead? I hope so.
4: Oh, James, how
3: could you? Well, because if he isn't, For what he tried to do to you, I might have killed him with my bare hands.
4: He was dead. And there is only one footnote to the story. The idea of a man who could never see his own reflection, only that of the woman he murdered, haunted me. When Mr. Royston was laid out, I took the mirror from my room and I sneaked into the one where he lay, and holding the mirror before him, the only reflection in it was his waxen face in the sleep of death. And I hoped, beyond the curtain, that his wife's restless soul has found its own peace at last.
3: reunion took place between Joseph Royston and his wife, a kinder union came to James and Emily. Within a year, they were married and lived happily ever after. So, what better words to wind up this tale than those of Sir Philip Sidney about sleep, the poor man's wealth, the prisoner's release, the indifferent judge, between the high and the low.
0: I'll be back shortly. Yes!
3: Take your contact. Take it now. Give your point to contact.
0: You've got a nighttime cold. Congestion is keeping you awake. You didn't take contact, did you? We're so famous for all day relief, you didn't think of us for nighttime. Wrong. Our 12-hour contact capsule decongests all night long so you can get the rest and sleep you need. And sleep's a great
4: healer.
0: Take only as directed. Feel younger as
3: you grow older. Join the active people over 60 today. Feel younger as you grow older.
6: Regular physical and social activity will keep you active and healthy. Join the active people over 60. For details on this free program, contact your local office on Aging or National Association for Human Development, Box 100, Washington, D.C., 20044. I'm Mandel Kramer. It's been my pleasure over the past four years to play many different roles on Radio Mystery Theater. And I'm looking forward to my part in an exciting play, Revenge is Sweet, on Tuesday, February 14th. This St. Valentine's Day production is pretty special, as a matter of fact. It's the 1500th broadcast of Radio Mystery Theater. And I know I speak for all my fellow actors when I say that working on this show has been a labor of love. Appropriate for St. Valentine's Day, right? We often wonder about our listening audience. You, where you live, how you like our mystery theater dramas. How about dropping us a line and telling us? You hear from us seven times a week. Now let us hear from you, because we're interested in our favorite people, our audience. Please write Radio Mystery Theater... Box 300, Radio City Station, New York City, 10019. Box 300, Radio City Station, New York, 10019.
3: A gloomy setting, grotesque and violent events, and an atmosphere of degeneration and decay. In the beginning, I promised you all of these, and I hope I have kept my promise, for these are the ingredients of what is known as the Gothic Tale. Our cast included Marion Seldes, Russell Horton, Court Benson, and Bryna Rayburn. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by True Value Hardware Stores. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our Mystery Theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.